another Poet Waffle. Oh, hello there. Welcome to Poet Waffle episode three, where me, Daniel Cockrell, invites a poet round my house for a chat. And during that chat, uh, we try to explore the visceral space between fiction and fact, which I feel is uh, more a feeling where poets tend to use their emotions as their compass to navigate the world. And hopefully during that time, they uh, uh, reveal certain truths that are neglected uh, by those other fields. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce you to poet, writer, live performer, uh, social commentator, uh, sometimes skateboarder, uh, Byron Vincent. Hiya Dan, how you doing? Very good, very good. Um, so, it's funny, in the last two episodes I've had um, Rob Alton and uh, Nathan Pennington and I've introduced them as poets and writers and these other things and they've tended to shy away from them saying, oh, I, I actually wouldn't describe myself as any of those things. Um, so I've introduced you as these, you know, a poet and a writer and a live performer. Is... Is this what you would call yourself, or if someone asked you? Um, Wikipedia says I'm a writer, performer, and broadcaster, so it must be true. Like, I, I, I haven't written a poem in ages, yeah. Um, and because I'm called Byron, and uh, <laughs> and uh, some of my language is a bit florid, I think like poetry's the label that, for some reason, even though that's the thing I do the least, seems to stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People... I, I was thinking that probably I'm calling you a poet, and Nathan a poet, and Rob a poet, because they've probably got poetic hearts um probably know a lot of poets who aren't who call themselves poets yeah and they act, they don't really have a poetic heart um, you know you know what i love about especially the spoken word word world is people who act like um prefix or suffix their name with the poet <laughs> 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 because like you should be able to tell right <laughs> yeah can, you're talking in rhyme or you know it's very metrical, you know, it's like... <laughs> I, mean, I suppose the first time i come across you, though, was... I don't know why I'd heard of your name or who had told me about you. Because I, maybe at the time you were living in Bristol or Bath. Or yeah. across the, but I saw a YouTube, an early YouTube video of you um, doing a haiku, or reciting a haiku, about Elton John uh, not <laughs> liking lettuce because he was a rocket man. Yeah, yeah. Which is... Uh, I liked it because that's probably one of my favourite Elton John songs. Not yeah. <laughs> Tesco nicked that. They oh, nicked did that. they? Yeah, yeah. They they oh, put wow. it out, they put it out on Twitter as their own plagiarism. Like you know, like other people get plagiari plagiarised by great writers, and I get <laughs> I get my I get my jokes nicked by frigging Tesco. That's how low that's how low rent I am. <laughs> did you ever find out who, what who the uh, the art director on that was? No, I should I should I should hunt them down and charge him a quid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ever uh, was you a big fan of Elton John? Anyway, why did you, why Elton John? Why just, Elton you just thought that was clever. I just thought it was yeah. yeah. Thought, it was, thought it was being clever and funny. But you know, I love I love that song actually. Um, and uh, Tiny Dancer. Yeah. Uh, do you know like? Uh, do you know the film Almost Famous? With um, I do know the title. Oh, what's that skateboarding Scientologist called? Jason Lee. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. He's in it, and um, uh, and and it's about a band. Uh, uh, and and a sort of beautiful coming of age story for uh, this teenage lad that tours with this kind of uh, uh, band when when that sort of rock that they've slightly been seen 
when it's transitioning from rock to punk, so so they're sort of already becoming dinosaurs. You know? Oh right, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it, and it's, there's a scene on the bus where they all start singing uh, "Tiny Dancer," and and I, I I consider myself as I move through the world to be a bit of an emotional corpse, but that that scene always gets me watery eyed. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. It gets me a bit. Oh, there's something in my eye. No, I'm fine. With all the with all the names like with all the the names of actors and. Uh, um, celebrities and people I, I don't know who any of them are <laughs> and it's weird because when I in the 90s when it was celebrity was a really massive thing yeah. you had all those magazines yeah. uh, and I knew quite you know I was probably watching Friends I probably knew who these celebrities were and I remember reading an article with Billy Childish and him saying I have no idea who anybody is and I was like that can't be true yeah. and now I realise it was so true because when everyone drops a name I'm like I didn't even know who Adele was uh, <laughs> at some point. I know now because one of our friends was singing an Adele song on stage. Yeah. And I was like, did you write that? And she went, no, it's Adele. And I was like, oh, okay, right. Well, well, that's just, it's just one of the many signs of middle age, isn't it? Like, um, like noticing that um, all policemen, doctors and teachers are children now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, take these pills. You're like, <laughs> 12. Yeah, yeah. Do your <laughs> So, but what, um, the one thing I, I probably don't know about you is yeah. why did you get into this and how did you get into this and did you, was it, uh, did you think that is the path I'm going to take or is it, have you, are you here by accident? Um, it's, it's probably, I was a really nerdy little kid, um, uh, but dyslexic, so uh, not, not particularly literate, but um, I had a, I, I, they sent me off for kind of a, high IQ test for prodigious mm. children but I was from a shithole mm. <laughs> from a rough estate and um, and so those two things didn't necessarily marry very well and I, I was quite pretentious um, I, I've, I had a superiority complex complex I thought I was brighter than most adults in the room <laughs> and that was uh, that was um, bolstered by my dear mother who, who I'd sort of you know was always telling me I was exceptional you know um, it, incorrectly by the way this is completely delusional like you know i was just i was just um uh, imaginative and and um and so so I, you know i wasn't particularly bright i i, I mean i had a, so i did well in iq tests and I, and i had a good imagination but i was terrible at maths i was practically illiterate you know i had no reason to believe that i was this <laughs> great intellect but i for sure did as a kid wanted to grow up to be a paleontologist I wanted to go to oxford i wanted to be an oxford don um, but this, none of this sort of married with the actual experience of growing up on a rough estate with all its violence and toxic masculinity and all the rest of it and, and anti-intellectualism and all of that. And I was weird as well. I was always mental. You know, I was really um, strange. I was, a, I was in a, a, a family of entirely women. It was women and me. I had one uncle who was a bodybuilder with a mullet and a moustache. And um, and he would he would come round to he would come round. He's like the only bloke in the family, and I was so shy that I would only come downstairs to perform. So like he'd knock on the door to like get me out and try to get me to play football or something, and I'd come down in my nan's silver lame dress and do essentially like a twenty minute drag act, and he'd just be sat there like staring at me like kind of like what is this? What is this kid? And so so like I, I wanted to communicate, but I was really shy. Uh, and then, and then there was a big sort of hiatus in any sort of cerebral activity from the age of maybe 
12 when I got quite heavily into solvents through to <laughs> through to maybe my early 20s uh, and 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 there was a sort of big um, journey through um, through addiction there and and uh, and uh, but during that time I'd always scribbled little um, little poems uh, and scribbled the appropriate word there as well because like <laughs> my handwriting yeah, yeah. looks like Martian hieroglyphs. I can't read my own handwriting, um, so I'd I'd write these little things and I'd make stuff and I'd always, you know, I, I was in, always interested or compelled to to make stuff, um, and and I, and I just felt I, I think because of my circumstances, I felt like I didn't really have a voice and I wanted one. You know, yeah, because all the things you mentioned there about wanting to be a a don and a paleontologist, yeah. the fact that you knew about these things was is incredible. I think that's why probably when you do come across as quite an intellect on stage, just from when I'm watching, <laughs> when when we had you at Bang said that you yeah. seem you tend to or you you seem to be able to pluck uh, very original, almost random metaphors out the air. And I know you've probably worked on them, and but they tend to they seem to come very easily to you. Uh, whereas most people you know, struggle to come up with a, a cliched metaphor, but yours are very unique, um, and you you seem to know about all this stuff before. And I was I'm a very similar age to you. I have a, a similar background to you, apart from mine was the mollycoddle. I didn't I didn't know drugs existed, and I didn't know any of these other stuff existed. <laughs> but I, I definitely uh, feel that oh I wanted to communicate something and there was no words around you know they were in short supply and we had no books or video recorders so all those things were you know ring true to me except it seemed like you were from a rougher side of the tracks and yeah so how did you know this stuff existed or I think in the early days when I started sort of writing a book well I was getting clean actually and 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 I had um I've got a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. There's a lot of violence, a lot mm. of like an incredible amount of violence, and, and 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 heavy as well, a lot of trauma basically. And I'm I'm a sensitive little sausage, really. You know, yeah, yeah. I was floating around with all these gangsters, and I'm not cut out for it at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, I did a passable impression for a while, but that's all it was. You know, it was never really. Uh, I never excelled in that field. <laughs> but I, I was thinking and, about yeah, go on, carry on. Yeah, yeah, sorry, like, but but it was it was like it was because um, when I got out of that. Uh, like I just I, I embraced the fluffiness within, yeah, you know. Yeah. So all of my writing was was kind of this surreal. Um, it was a lot of uh, convoluted metaphors and silliness, yeah, yeah. Um, and and humour, a lot of jokes, and 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 um, and really, I really loved it. I really loved what I was doing at the time. But it is like I do see it as juvenilia because it had no substance for me. It was it was it was my escapism and it was me identifying myself as I am not this violent criminal. You know, I'm not this recidivist. I am uh, I am actually this little softy who's a bit weird. And that was like yeah. the, I've always been that person. It was just hidden under a bunch of cultural affectation. <clears throat> Do you think that's why you, your sort of speed and turn of phrase comes from? Because definitely no, I, you know, I speak much slower than what I used to when I was at home. But, yeah, yeah. but we, we always used to have to speak very, very fast and end the sentence on, do you know what I mean? Just to leave no space for someone to come in and yeah. shoot you down. <laughs> yeah. or, get, or as you say, turn violence. Because there was violence in my community yeah, as yeah. well. And it's, it's... So I remember being at university in the first year, hanging around with... Um, 
a really good Norwegian friend of mine, and I was speaking very fast. Uh, I now I slow down because I, I stretch all my vowels out on purpose. It's kind of stuck. But he, he, I was finishing all my sentences on, do you know what I mean? And he, was, he just turned to me and said, no, I don't know what you mean. I have no <laughs> idea what you're saying to me. And he had brilliant English, and he, he'd grown up on you know gritty British films. So he had this English accent where most of the other Scandinavians had you know bad Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, you know accents but I, I found that was just a defense mechanism of try you know if you didn't speak fast you were you you could be picked out as a, a thinker or you're gonna be taken down is does that come from that or this is going to be contentious I think but yeah. I, I believe or in my experience I'll say that in my experience working class people and underclass people are more linguistically creative than middle class people and upper class people, and and like a, a, a almost all slang comes from the working class and the underclass. Mm. It's a it's a rapidly evolving, and incredibly creative. Um, uh, we have a, a rapidly evolving, an incredibly creative mode of communicating. A lot of that um, evolves out of necessity and secrecy, often mm. um, prison, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for example. <laughs> But not just prison, and 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 you know my my um, I have a uh, I had a my nan my uh, I call her manic manic uh, manic gypsy dream nan because she's this little <laughs> tiny little tiny um, five foot gypsy bundle of of uh, loveliness who who used to have uh, big hair lots of gold loved of a law leisure suit you know but was really really but Lancashire. Um, and so uh, uh, she used to write uh, what's called lanky dialect poetry, which is uh, just like probably unintelligible for, for anybody outside of Lancashire. In fact, unintelligible for most people not of her generation. But it was really, really beautiful and, and, and inventive and, and, and like clever. You know, it's a, just, the, just the, the, the use of language is, is, is like is really innovative. Mm. And um, and so yeah, I think I think that it's this uh, maybe maybe my love of language um, is a is a marriage of, of of what a pretentious little prick I was as a kid, <laughs> and uh, and also the fact that that I'm that I'm underclass and and and, and language is a big part of of, um, of that. I think when you realise that words are really important and powerful, then they become really precious. Not precious in a way, oh, you don't want to use them and hold, you know, precious in a way, I, I want to use this all the time. Uh, because it, it it takes you away from that thing that you want to escape from, doesn't it? And, and, it's, and, and it's status as well. Like in an environment where there is no, there's really limited opportunity to, um, to, to have any status because you know we don't have any economic status we don't have any uh, wider cultural status in, in in that environment really what we all that men have um, uh, uh, we're reduced to our physical selves yeah yeah and I'm a runt you yeah, know yeah. so that wasn't going to work out for me you yeah. know I'd had to go but it did not play out the way I wanted it to frequently <laughs> I frequently had my head kicked in but like but but the the what I did what I was able to do was be acerbic I was able to be quick with words yeah, and, yeah. and I was able to um, communicate in a way that people thought was cool and interesting and 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 um and the idea that um when i when i first started doing poetry i get i do i do a lot of stuff on radio forum in an environment where people go oh like i bet all your mates thought 
thought it was a bit you know soft you doing poetry that's nonsense they yeah, yeah. loved it man they were proud yeah yeah they were like nice one <laughs> yeah. nobody ever criticized me for, for for writing a poem they were just like that's wicked mate i mean what that that thing though where you have to, you were talking about your nan and who's writing beautiful poetry yeah. it, the only way it becomes respectable or, or seen as good is yeah. if the middle class will will basically steal it yeah, you yeah. know and it it's for everything you know it works with football this it has works, value yeah it works with art it works with anything so you know Chaz and Dave aren't very good unless yeah. someone said unless someone comes along and says oh that's amazing and then it, everyone comes and goes oh yeah that's fantastic you the, know the thing about something like Lancashire dialect poetry um, is it's willfully against appropriation appropriation because middle class people won't understand it it's like it's like this is not for you mm. so they can't judge it and they can't it's just to them it's just unintelligible so i love that about it it's I, not for them i mean I, I was i ran into that brick wall when i went to university and I, the photography i was doing didn't have any they did the professors and didn't have any reference for it yeah. and you know i was i was uh covering uh, pictures with balloons and things like this and they shot me down and, I, and I, can, I don't take any photographs anymore but obviously I came out and started to redo that in a way because I knew nothing about poetry yeah. I could then put on a poetry night and go oh I'm going to do it like this and if anyone came in and said this isn't how you do it I was like well it's my night whereas at university I was very aware of oh this is not how you do it and then if I didn't have the the, the strong enough argument to say, yeah, but these are my references, uh, you, I couldn't continue with that because they were constantly going, that this isn't right. Yeah. And in the end, they won that battle because I, I stopped taking photos. Whereas the poetry world, they haven't been able to get my, their claws into me yet. So I can do, <laughs> uh, you know, I can pretty much do whatever I want. And I think um, there's a benefit as well from, from for me, I've, I, a benefit that I'm aware of of coming from, uh, you know, a less privileged environment for uh, one of a better term is, is like, um, it's like nobody expected me to do anything. Nobody expected me to live this long. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I didn't expect, I thought I'd be 25. When I hit 25 and I was still alive, I was like, wow, what now? Yeah, but yeah. but because, because there was such little expectation, I don't have any crushing fear of failure. I'll give anything a crack because I, you know, what, what difference does it make to me? It's all, it's all a bonus to me. Yeah. Like I was, you know, I was told, I was told at secondary school very, very early on that I was going to prison. You know, that my my life was prison, and um, and and I was told, I was told, constantly that that I was, you know, scum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and 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 my behaviour sort of uh, mirrored that definition of me for 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 a lot of my teens. Well, if people are telling you that, from that you you probably become that, don't you? It's that self fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? If you if you're told you're naughty, yeah, you're probably going to be naughty. Yeah, you? and there's a, you know there's a, there is a there is a it's hard to escape that environment, and there's a hierarchy in that environment, and and uh, and I didn't want I didn't want to be at the bottom of that pecking order because it's not a fun place to be. I've seen what happens yeah, to yeah. you know to 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 you know there's a, it's a, it's a very aggressive and predatorial environment, and and I'm. You know, I had to sort of navigate it the best the best I could, and and often that meant doing things that were um, showboating, uh, in ter- you know, in terms of showboating to people who 
respected a certain type of behaviour. As I say, it's showboating in a, in a beautiful way. I, I, you know, I was probably waving the flags at some of those things. Now, this is probably a good, uh, you know, good segue into something else. We're probably two thirds of the way through yeah. the chat. Um, and at this point, we usually have a uh, poet waffle big question. So in the first episode, Rob Alton went for, is it a privilege to grow old? And the last episode, uh, Nathan Pennington went for, do you believe in the unexplained? Which is such a weird question, the more I think about it. Um, but you've uh, gone for one of, one of my favourite questions, actually. It's, um, should you be judged for the worst thing you have ever done? It's, it's such a it's such a big and complex question and I've got loads to say on it most of which I'll probably forget but um, I think we're at this place culturally now especially with sort of Twitter and public shaming and things like that where where there, there's very little room for redemption for people and that is just toxic and stupid as far as I can see and and and, and arrogant. Uh, because I, I don't think people really understand how their morality is often a privilege. We are all a soup of our genes and experiences. Uh, and if you take 10 lads from an estate like I grew up on, you know, maybe maybe eight or nine of those lads will do a bit of time in prison. And you take... Uh, the same amount of lads from from a, 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 a lovely estate in I don't know where somewhere nice I don't even know where they're nice Bath <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, you know none of those will do all do time now do you believe that those people from, from who were born onto that estate do you believe that they're born bad that's fucking insane that's insane yeah. what it is 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 a, is a they are responding to environmental factors. And so, like, if you were there, you would be responding to those environmental factors too. So we can't, like, um, so any any distortion in the sound, and that was me. No, no. Table thumping with passion. Any, 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 um, <laughs> any, any distortion, uh, uh, sorry, any, um, and it's, anybody believes that, it's, it's, it's kind of, it just, I find it really frustrating. But, you know, uh, context has a, has, has a lot to do with it. I, I struggle to um, be empathic towards people whose negative behaviours uh, come from a place of um, uh, of what I see as privilege. Yeah. You know, and so, so but but they they too are also just products of, of, uh, of their environment. So, so I mean, I, I understand the, the impulse to be um, judgmental. I have it myself. It's just from a different uh, perspective. I mean, definitely on social media, what I see a lot, and I never get involved in it, but you can see it is it's like a it is the wild west on there yeah. for when people for for vigilantes to come in and be judge and jury and and judge someone on what they've done and take them out online, um, and I'm always a bit like oh my god this, this and the people who seem to protest the the most yeah. are sometimes the ones who've have got a lot of skeletons in their cupboard who that haven't come out, and I'm a bit like. We're not all we're not all great. I'm yeah. definitely not great. Growing up. and I've, I've mentioned this on probably episode one of being the I had many idiotic thoughts when I was in my twenties, 
and it took a long time for me to develop and go, yeah. oh, God, that was a really dumb thing I yeah. did when I was 18. I would, you know, not not uh, bad in any way against other people, but uh, vandalism on a scale that you just think, God, what, that is, yeah, that wasn't great. And I'd hate for my kids to be involved in that. Yeah. And what would I say if they did do that? Because are they going to be as idiotic as I was when I was that age? I hope not. Um, are people willing to uh, do what it takes to to improve themselves and and and, and combat their negative behaviours? If if they are willing to do that, then that should be um, championed and, and and aided. Yeah. Because otherwise, we end up in a situation where um, it, uh, we are creating toxicity in in society. By, by keeping people in a place where they are damaging other people. I'll give you an example. So I work with an organisation called the VRU, the Violence Reduction Unit, um, up in Scotland. They're amazing. They're rolling it out in London. It's a great, a great organisation. There's a, there's a guy, um, one of the mentors, all of the mentors have done a lot of prison time and, and had their epiphanies and, and had, had their own redemption. And say, so take one of them. He did, a, he did a 11 years for, for murder. And he had his um, epiphany in prison and he acts as a mentor now. And he's an incredibly warm, kind, sagacious person who, yes, has done terrible things when he was younger, but is very, very aware of, his, yeah. of, 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 of that. And, um, uh, and he works as a mentor. And now I've seen the work he's done with, with, uh, with and he's take, he, his input as a, as a mentor has taken maybe 20 or 30 um, violent young men uh, out of that life and put them in a place where they're now good fathers they have careers they're able to work they're good partners so it's not just it's not just these individuals that that, that, that he's impacting on it's their families it's the, it's those lads mothers it's their it's their children who are going to grow up without that negative influence and without you know without that trauma that, that's going to cause them to grow up and, 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 and react to the world angrily. You know, it's, 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 redemption is massively, massively, massively important for the progression of, um, of, a, of a happy and functioning society. Well, I, I, don't, know, I, I don't even know where to go with that after that. I've, I think we've covered a lot of things. Uh, we've probably got a couple of minutes left on this uh, podcast. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Or uh, about uh, the spectrum of people. Or, or well, who... after all that positivity, who can we slag off in poetry? <laughs> <laughs> but just tell us about. Um, I mean, that was amazing. I think. Uh, what about what are you doing in in your artistic life? What are you uh, planning to do? Is it where can people see you do what you do? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm basically there's two strands to my work at the moment one is one is um dealing with the human condition <laughs> god i sound like a wanker um that that in 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 the term it, like i i have a i have a feeling that fear is the is the kind of the biggest uh, the most damaging thing to us uh, i think most negative behavior spawns yeah. out of fear and i think the antidote to that is is a is understanding and compassion and kindness. And I know how wet that sounds, but I really, I'm interested in exploring that in a way that will appeal to, um, 
terrible old cynics like us, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so because it, 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 so, so uh, the the theatre work I'm making at the moment, I'm making a show called Instagram and the Apocalypse. That's going to be touring uh, very soon. Um, and then the other strand of work that I do uh, is uh, is um, stuff around poverty and class and crime mm. and things like that. The next, uh, I'm just pitching a document. There's loads of stuff you'll be able to find on iPlayer, but the next one is um, is about. Uh, I'm interested in a sort of proactive, solution-focused um, work on the yeah. ra- on documentaries on the radio. So many people, especially uh, on Radio Four, where I do a lot of work, it's this academic study. Yeah, people, yeah. A, 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 a white middle-aged middle-class man, which I'm kind of all three myself now. So I, you know, I'm I, doing myself out of a job here, <laughs> but like. But like, um, we'll go into whatever environment, and 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 like, and instead of empowering the people that are in that community to talk about their own situation, we'll we'll talk for them through through his <coughs> his lens, and that's does my head. What in, so I'm what I'm amazed that. by your documentaries and that, that in fifth and uh, the lectures that you do that within fifteen minutes you can say concisely what I'm feeling. Or and solutions within that. That's an amazing skill because I think other people it goes on for out. They do. They make a film for two hours. In fifteen minutes, you go. This is the problem. These are some of the things that we can do to help. Uh, and then you come out the other with a lovely conclusion. You you do that incredibly well. Well, it's really again. It's not the, the It just seems like a skill. It's not a skill. It's just lived experience, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. just uh, uh, you know. You, if you're if you're um if you've lived with something for a long time, then you know how it functions. So it's easy to say, oh yeah, that's fucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that bit there, stick a plaster on that bit. You know. Yeah. Um. Then it, then because because you because you've lived with it, so it's not really it's not it's not a talent or a skill mm. or anything. It's just the fact that it's just grew up that way, and because. Um, working class and underclass voices are so uh, alienated and ostracised and rare. It's it appears like I'm some kind of sage, but yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I've just yeah. I've just been to a place where some people haven't. You know, yeah. and, and you also, agree because you've been there as well. Yeah, and I suppose yeah, people who have grown up you know, in, on the right side of society, and they might not have seen you know the cracks. You yeah, know, because they they haven't been to that neighbourhood, yeah. or you know they haven't seen a food bank, or they haven't seen what these things are. Are doing so uh that's it really we have come is there anything else you want to say before um i shoo you off and kick you out my door um no just thanks mate and uh that was incredibly insightful um if you've got anything that you want to um or to the listeners if you want to continue with this discussion i'm sure byron has a lot to say you can find him on twitter you can find him on instagram yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. and all that so all the social things he's probably got a website i do have a website he's got a website uh, listen to his stuff on iplayer um thanks very much byron for coming along my pleasure mate. um we'll see you all again next time Poet Waffle was written and presented by Daniel Cockrell, original concept by Jack White, music and audio production by Julian Ward, artwork by Damien Wayhill, and technical support from Laurie Eaves.